Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. We're Welcome on our second show of 2018. Can you believe it? I can. I can definitely believe it. Actually, what I can't believe is that we actually started this like over two years ago, though. I was thinking about that the other day, that we've been doing this for a, quite a long time. This is probably the longest relationship I've had in it's quite a, a few years. a good relationship, though, because I didn't even think about time. So It's, it's, it's had its ups and downs, ups and flows. Behind Ouch. the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. We're here. Like, no relationship is perfect. I'm perfect. Um, okay, cool. So just so you guys know, um, we actually have our first guest of the year today. I'm really excited to have him here. Um, and actually, this conversation that we're about to have for this episode is like a part two to a personal conversation that started way back in November during the 3% conference. So if you guys uh, don't mind, I'm going to introduce to you Mr. Torsten Gross. He's the head of strategy from JWT New York. That's J. Walter Thompson, New York, which we actually have discussed like when we on our like earlier when we first started the podcast. Um, JWT had some great things for us to talk about diversity uh, in the conversation of diversity uh, and inclusion and gender. And you gave us great content. So it's great to have you here. We've come full circle. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, Torsten, if you don't mind, do you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, who you are, what you do, how you got here? Um, and yeah, we'll go. We'll go with that. Sure. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I've uh, been in advertising since I graduated, or right before I graduated, and I, I've had a a journey inside of strategy, kind of since day one. Um, the the part of me that started uh, or that wanted to go into the creative world was less my choice and more my situation. So, um, you know, when everybody was uh, was interning um, during college and they were doing uh, lifeguarding or construction or something like that, I, you know, physically couldn't do it. And, and for those that, that are listening, that the reason why is uh, I'm a C6 quadriplegic, so I had an accident when I was 15 years old, and I broke my neck, 36 pieces, drowned, and was dead for two and a half minutes, which uh, we can talk about in a minute. But to, to finish the, the topic, um, I wasn't able to, to physically go do you know those, those kinds of jobs, and so I was very fortunate to have a dad that, that knew somebody in advertising and said, uh, I think you should be a, you know, a creative, an art, you know, in the art director track. And uh, I was very fortunate about that. Unfortunately, I'm partially colorblind. So um, seeing shades or not being able to say sh see shades doesn't make for a very awesome creative and uh, art director. So I uh, became a, um, an account person after that. Was not a good account person. <laughs> um, and uh, went to Miami Ad School um, because somebody had said, I think maybe you should give this a shot. And uh, yeah, I went to Miami Ad School and ever since was a, was a strategist. For the record, it takes a very strong person to recognize that they're not a good account person. So <laughs> well, you're I, assuming that I knew. So oh, okay. I, I got, oh. I got, so I, I, 
Uh, thanks, Chuck Wintrub, Catalyst Marketing, uh, Stanford, <laughs> Connecticut. Uh, okay. I did get fired. Um, and, and the second job I had, uh, I left after five months because I heard him on six that, that uh, I would not be coming back. So, um, yeah, it, it was one of those moments where you kind of... Uh, <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> um, but thanks for bringing up really yeah. old, old memories. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm not going to cry on tape right now, but... Uh, you Later. wouldn't be the first, so it's I, totally fine. I, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, look, at least I got to understand what the dark side was, right? It is the and dark so, side. Um, <laughs> and having, so I've had two of my own agencies, and I'll say having to play uh, account side as well. Oh, I, you know, it's the amazing, it's amazing how much respect I actually have for account people because it's not, they actually have the worst job in, in our business. <laughs> I mean, they really do. Like, I, we can, we can, crap on creative work all we want and take that personal and strategy nobody understands you know what what strategy is from a creative perspective i mean from an account perspective everybody goes in on them and i mean that in full respect they they i don't envy them the 360 type i was about to say i i know i don't i did account management for like a, a hot hot second and decided that wasn't for me, even though somehow I still end up in this hybrid role of still having to be client facing. But if I could be behind closed doors all the time and just talk to the people I work with, baby. Anyway. Anyway. Welcome. Thank you. We're really excited to have you. I know um, pivoting from last year, I, I th or the last couple years, I think we've focused a lot on identifying the problem and defi defining challenges within diversity and inclusion and um, with all of the new movements that are um, erupting and the conversations that are happening in the media, we just want to be different and difficult. And I think this year our goal is to start discussing solution solutions more so than just identifying the problem. Um, so I'm excited for our conversation because this is probably going to be pretty uncomfortable it's definitely going to be uncomfortable for me. I'm not going to speak for everyone else. Um, but just to give you guys a heads up, our topic for today is how to have the uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Um, and uh, before we get into uh, dope shit or ain't shit, um, I'd like to give a little context. So back at the 3% conference uh, in November, um, one of the, I guess, was it considered a workshop, a panel, or like a... Um so I gave, uh, I gave a 15-minute talk about um, my situation, right? Being in a wheelchair, being mm -hmm. a C6 quadriplegic, um, how I deal with things. Um, and then I brought on two panelists. Right. Um, and, and we just kind of had an open discussion on uh, what, uh, what they do in their companies so it's energy bbdo cco of energy bbdo and the mm -hmm. cmo of uh, ck right and it, uh and then myself right so it was it was a march because i'm like it wasn't really like just a talk but then it was it's a, a hybrid, panel a hybrid it, was, too. it was a mix um and from that conversation of you uh discussing your experiences um being the person at work that's in the wheelchair and how you deal with people at work um, a question arise from the audience, which 
By the way, somebody actually did text me to say, girl, was that you asking questions out here? Making <laughs> oh, people uncomfortable? It wasn't me for a change. Um, but there was a question from an audience uh, participant about, you know, why should the onus be on her as a person of color to express to other people um, what it was like to be the person of color at work when there are additional resources out there for people to Google search Britannica, whatever you use these days to find your information. Um, so I'm going to leave that nugget um, in everyone's ear because that's a conversation that we've had constantly about whether we want to be the one that tells people what it's like or whether we just don't feel like we should have to. Um, but that's where this conversation is going. Um, and I am sure it can, it may get uncomfortable at some points, but transparency is key. Um, discomfort is key. We're always supposed to be uncomfortable. We're supposed to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So that's what we're going to lean on for today. But before that, we have dope shit and we have ain't shit. Maybe we don't have any ain't shit today. Maybe it's a good day. Oh, nice. I think we have all dope shit. So I'll let one of you guys kick it off so I can have my soda. Okay. I'll kick it off. Um, So my dope shit actually kind of plays into the conversation that we're going to have today. Um, So I was in my coffee shop that's on my block. Um, Actually, I probably shouldn't say that. I don't want you to know where I live. Um, But (laughs) it's it's called Playground, and it basically doubles as a – I guess a community space. And when I was in there this morning getting my um, turmeric latte, there was a magazine that someone made out of like just regular sheet paper called Welcome to New York, a zine about gentrification for gentrifiers. And it's basically about, I don't know, 12 pages of, that was written by a white woman for, I guess, gentrifiers who tend to be white. But, um, I picked it up because it was like, oh shit, it's kind of, the the topics are what is gentrification, um, how can I tell if I'm a gentrifier, am I displacing my neighborhood, am I, am I displacing my neighbors, does my neighborhood hate me, um, pretty much a lot of questions that I think any, like we've been talking about these things, but no one's really having discussion about what gentrification is, and who's a gentrifier, and you know, what it means to be able to afford um, an apartment that someone else had to be kicked out of for you to be there. Um, so I don't think this little magazine is available anywhere else. But I, what I <laughs> you can't get it on Amazon. <laughs> what I, what I think I'm gonna do is, and I meant to do it today, but I got so busy. I'm I'm probably just going to um, take pictures of it and post it on our IG so that people can um, see it because I think it's. And to our point, it also offers solutions at the back, which is how can you support the movement for um, affordable housing, which I think is um, when we talk about allies, that's part of what we're looking for is you can admit that that at some point you are part of the problem, but once you admit that you're part of the problem, how do you become a part of the solution? So, What do you mean by allies? um, I think anyone who is, who wants to help. I think it's, you know, when people talk about being woke, it's, to me, that's you're you're recognizing the issue, and you just don't want to recognize the issue and you know bury your head in the sand. You actually want to be a part of the solution. So, um, anyone who and for me, like that's what I took away from this is she out, she identified uh, Elise Golding, um, identified the problem. She broke it down really 
in a really simple matter for anyone who's interested in the topic. And then she gave them solutions on how to not move forward as a gentrifier. So cool. that's my dope shit for the day. Well, look at that. Local art. Does she have her name on it? Yeah. Um, her or you don't want to share? Elise Gilding. She has her email, oh. too. Elise.golden at gmail.com. So white I'm and Jewish. Oh. Golding? Oh, yeah. I thought it was the right. artist, the musical artist, Elise Golden. Or that maybe that's Ellie yeah. Golden? Ellie Golden. That's yeah. Ellie. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to take pictures of this and post it on our IG so people cool. can see it in this context. Cool. That's dope. That is dope. I actually like this. Is it pretty? I can only see the pictures from here. It's like a comic book for gentrifiers. It's, it's like <laughs> this is the kind of this is the kind of shit that like I learned most of what I've learned in elementary school from. Like this is how I retain things with <laughs> pictures and more pictures. Like technically it's for me. So <laughs> I'm not from here, so I get it. All right. Cool. I'd, I'd love to know the moment she said I need to do this. Right, like I need to write something down on a piece of paper and draw like an elementary school kid and and put together a piece of paper and, and actually bring it down there and say this is something that I need to do. Because there's that moment of like, to your point about being an ally, of I can do something about it, but now I'm actually going to do this, right? I just think that's interesting. And I, 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 Does it say that in there? Why she, um, for the moment? No, it doesn't. But Bed-Stuy is kind of weird because um, over the last two years I would say there have been I've seen people whether it's graffiti or like stickers in the locker room at um, at the gym that are kind of like in your face to make people feel uncomfortable where it's like take whether it's saying take back your neighborhood or um, stop it before it goes too far like there's there have been strategic messages around the neighborhood and it's, it's gentrification is one of those things that you can't stop you just kind of have to assimilate into it if you want to continue living in that space um, but I would probably say especially because it was in the coffee shop that coffee shop there was probably a discussion in there about it because a lot of people aren't afraid to voice their opinion when it comes to so it's part of the community part of it then. yeah okay type of coffee shop was it like a hipster type of thing where do you it's, go to drink coffee from? it's it's hipster. <laughs> i mean it's so it's it's actually really interesting because the coffee shop it's and it's not the typical coffee shop because the owner is actually the daughter of the man who originally owned it and he had a hardware store there so she's and she pretty much just hired all of her friends it's the only coffee shop where the majority of the employees of are of color because usually if you're in a coffee shop, they're usually white baristas. So this, I think the whole entire vibe of that coffee shop has some sort of advocacy and social purpose to it. Cool. You're doing a really bad job of not telling people where you I live. I know. <laughs> Bed-Stuy, bed it's called Playground. It's like, <laughs> do you want to get the corner? Do you want, like, what, what floor do you live on? Like, you're doing a bad Jace, job right now. you go over there. Yeah. What do you drink? Can they pre-order for you? I, 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 I do drink a very hipster drink. It's a turmeric latte. It's, it's hipster as it gets. <laughs> cool. It's award season, y'all. It is award Yay. season. What you got, Karina? So my dope shit is for Sterling K. Brown for making history as winning award for outstanding performance by a male actor in a drama series for This Is Us. His, um, what is it, where do you put awards? Like a ledge or whatever? Shelf? It's getting pretty heavy. Don't you find it like, I feel like 
by the end of the work day, I have no real word. I know real me words. neither. Yes. Like, mantle. Mantle. <laughs> yeah, mantle. I don't know where he hangs his awards, but he already has. In his closet next to his <laughs> jeans? What if he does? <laughs> he put it at my parents' house. I would do that. Okay. <laughs> um, he's already won an Emmy Award, a Golden Globe Award, an NCAACP, and NCAAP Image N-A-N- Award. N-A-N-C-A-A-P. Yep. What am I yeah, I got that. Whatever. Right. <laughs> um, image Award. It's NAACP. It's fine. It's all right. The TV guy it's got okay. this wrong. It's I right. should have known better. Anyway, for his show on the series, This Is Us. <laughs> Don't judge me. You guys know what, I ta- what I'm talking about, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what you meant. Award. I know what you wanted to mean. I know. <laughs> Whatever. If they put This Is Us on Broadway, he'll win a Tony, too. <laughs> but that's my dope shit. Shout out to him. Sterling is killing it. First of all, like... I'm partial to him now because um, Randall in This Is Us had a scene that took place at Howard University on the yard. And I think most of us now, when we see Sterling, we just automatically associate him with Howard. So, like, there's something, it's like, oh, he's alum, but it's like, no, he's not, because even in the show, he didn't go there. But still, just the <laughs> fact that, like, his young character was on the yard and, like, was in the freshman dorm, it just, it, it felt nice. It felt like family. And not to mention that, like, he totally killed it in the O.J. Simpson, um, in the O.J. Oh, S- yeah, that girl, that was him. Wait, which oh, character? Really? He I was, was, yeah. He was, uh, the, the lawyer? He was the lawyer. He was, uh, yes, girl. He was not Johnny. Wait, somebody's that got, was somebody's got Not Johnny. Not oh, John. the other lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, with Marsha. The one that really wanted to push the glove issue, and they were like, nah, B, we can't do oh. that. That's a good spot. I didn't see that. Yeah, no, he's that. been, he's, listen, he's had a great year and a half. Tour. <laughs> he's had a great year and a half. Shout out to Sterling. Okay. Um, I will go ahead and, and give mine and then choice. And if, if you are uh, down for it, you can contribute yours. Um, but my dope shit is a shout out to one of my latest travels across this world. Um, cause y'all know I'm a professional runaway and I'm always trying to escape. So I buy tickets. Um, but recently I was in Paris, France, um, which by the way, forget everything everybody told you about Paris and how they didn't like it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it, y'all. I had a good time. I had actually an even better time the two days I spent, like, by myself, quite frankly. Um, it's gorgeous. It's if you live in an East Coast metropolitan uh, area, you will feel comfortable. There's They got buses. They got taxis. They got trains. <laughs> and they got Uber. You literally. Uber. They have. It's, is that right? <laughs> Hold on, your bar is very low. If isn't you're going, it? if you're going, it? look, they got taxis. Listen, and they got subways, they and got that makes subways. a great metro. It does area. because you can get around and you don't have to ask who. You can literally just pop up and live there. Do you know what also has Ubers? <laughs> Decatur, Illinois, and watching <laughs> and watching paint dry is more fun than living there. Sorry for all the people that are listening to this podcast that live there. But so your your bar is very low. If I think that, is- that I think that is a low bar, which is why when I go to cities like LA and your subway is not as reliable as I need it to be, I get frustrated. I can't live here. I can't just end up in LA and survive. In Paris, I could end up and survive in Paris now. It was a good time. Anyway, beyond the fact that they have all kinds of ways for you to, for you to get from point A to point B. <laughs> Um, I ended up taking a tour 
with a a company called Le Paris Le Paris Noir. Also, I have a terrible French accent, and oh, nobody knew that? anything I was trying to say <laughs> while I was out there. Um, but Le Paris Le Paris Noir um, is essentially a um, it is a walking tour which takes you on a journey of Paris, France. Um, from the perspective of the African diaspora, uh, uh, people of the African diaspora. So um, if you know anything about history, you know the French Empire, they have, uh, they owned, 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 still own something. Um, they conquered quite a few African countries and Caribbean islands, um, and also there are many uh, people of African descent that ended up, that moved to moved to France, started living there, created their lives, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we don't really hear those stories. We don't hear stories about the, um, the cultural movements that uh, were started uh, due to people of color feeling that they weren't heard, people of color feeling that they weren't, um, or, or, or realizing that they weren't being given the same opportunities um, as their um as their white counterparts, um, we just usually talk about that in the context of the United States um, and and the Western Hemisphere. So went over to Paris, kicked it with Kevy. Um, I'm not even gonna try to say Kevy's last name. That's my tour guide. Kevy was oh, my that's tour guide. So nice. Yes, no, we made friends. We're I'm, friends. Yeah. I made friends with other people like outside of this room, which was great. <laughs> also, why I can go back. You have a French alias. You can be Mademoiselle Devereaux. It oh. touched my inner Devereaux. It definitely touched my Devereaux. But Kevy um, talked. Kevy walked and talked with us about um, a lot of the political landscape for co- people of color um, that people of color are experiencing currently, um, and that they experienced from I guess from like the 1800s up through the 1960s as well. And then we just talked about what's going on um, in Paris to date. Um, it was really dope. We even went to. Um, areas that people were were saying on TripAdvisor to not go to, I guess Little Africa, which is basically like going to Crown Heights circa 2000, y'all. Um, so I was, quite comfortable. It, I was quite comfortable. Crown Heights, Bed-Stuy, circa 2000. It was quite comfortable. The people are cool. Um, the, the, the population, like, it just looked like home. It looked like cousins. It looked like family. Um, so I'm going to make sure that we put the link up to this tour on the site so that if anybody is planning a trip, because y'all know these flight deals come in waves, so you too can get your flight to Paris nonstop on Norwegian for $300 um, and go visit Kevy and his team over at Le Paris Noir. Um, yeah, it was dope. That was, that's, that was my dope experience. That's really dope. Are Thanks, you going to move to France? No, I'm not moving to France today. But... <laughs> If things don't work out in the next couple years, I know that I can end up living in Paris, and I will be just fine. Thank you. <laughs> so mine. Yeah. I, I guess mine's, mine is, is very obvious, but it was what happened this weekend with the marches. Um, I'm coming at it, though, from a different perspective. Uh, I, I can only see it from the outside because, uh, you know, going into big crowds with somebody in a wheelchair – um, we get pushed around pretty easily and, uh, and literally and figuratively. <laughs> and so until we, we don't, I'm, I'm four foot six sitting down. So, uh, you know, you can't really see much, 
So I, I, I take it from a perspective of an external perspective, and that is seeing things on Instagram and, and hearing people that have done it. And, uh, you know, I can go down the route of saying it's an unfortunate thing for me, but it's more like, no, I'm actually, it's really interesting seeing it from another lens. Right. And just knowing that that's where, where I'm going now, I'm being proud of, of what's actually happening. Right. The pushback right now. And I think that's that's pretty dope because um, it's needed. It's kind of that simple. Right. So uh, while it might be very obvious that that to me is something that stood out this weekend. Cool. Not just that, like, I guess having people having people that are willing to take time out of their days, not just to march and, and chant but also in the effort to actually make change because there have been multiple marches throughout decades like even throughout my lifetime that have happened but the goal was never to the goal hasn't been clear clearly stated that they want to make change and here's how um i, I find that the the marches these days are a bit more organized a lot more organized they're they're a lot more focused um, and they're a lot more necessary because things are feeling very life and death these days. Um, I mean, hell, the government shut down right now and yeah. folks are not getting paid. And, you know, if you're not getting paid, you're, who knows their financial situation? You might not be able to eat. Um, so the idea of life and death is 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 it's real. Like people are getting sent home. Women are not getting health care. People of color are being targeted and not just black people, but people from Latin countries, people from shithole countries, as as we're calling it these days, I guess, like, it's so necessary. So that was a really dope thing to, to watch on social media this weekend. What, what I also think is really interesting is that it's, it's uh, people are being very cognizant about making it um, uh, multi-generational. Mm -hmm. So you see children being brought, right, and, and generations being brought. So it's not a... Uh, a fleeting moment of well I'm going to make change right now and and change something right now but I'm going to teach my son and my daughter what this is about because if I can change something right now and if they can grow into that or with that right with that change that's a whole lot more powerful because if you just kind of go out on your own and you're not bringing the children along then it's like, well, you got to go back and and uh, and teach again, right? And talk to them and 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 start over again, right? It doesn't change anything. So I kind of I, I really appreciated seeing multi generations and even older, mm -hmm. right? Being being part of this, that to me was pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point because I was looking at a lot of my friends. They were out there with their kids, and I think it's really important that the kids go because there's. I think there was this misconception that all the racists died off a couple of years ago that were out there in the 60s and 70s, um, but it's not the case. And even now with you know our generation being as liberal as it is and the generation that's coming behind us being even more liberal, we're still seeing cases of racism in like the earliest of ages. So having them out there um, knowing what it looks like to fight back in a very organized, nonviolent manner. I think it's uh, extremely important. I want us to discuss like where the responsibility lies when it comes to educating 
um, other people about what it means to be different, what it means to um, experience life in a way from the perspective of a minority or from the perspective of somebody who has felt oppressed, who has felt oppressed. Um, because again, we've said it on this, or some of us have said it on the show. We've had guests say it on this show where some people just feel like I shouldn't have to educate you about what it's like to be a black woman in the workplace. You can Google that. I shouldn't have to tell you about how many times I, I wash my hair. Um, We've also had people say, well, you know, because I'm the one with that experience, usually it's me saying this, but because I'm the one with that experience and I do want there to be change, how do I expect change with, um, how do I expect change if I'm not informing you on what the realities are or giving context? So it'd be interesting to just take a, a poll around the table and Torsten, starting with you is with uh, about who do you think is responsible to teach others about otherness, um, whether it's race, gender, or sexual orientation? I mean, I, I don't think that you can ask a question with, with uh, in such a black and white context, because I don't, I don't think that there's an answer, and I, I think that it's, it would be inappropriate to answer in that, in that regard. Um, I'd like to give a little context for the, for those who have not seen the three percent because if you just jump to that question, um, that's one thing. But there was, uh, did you guys watch the you guys watched the whole talk? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. They were there. You watched okay. Um, you know, for for those who didn't, one the, there are a lot of things that have been assumed about me not being able to travel um, because I'm in a chair, not being able to do the job, not being able to work, um, the long hours, not being smart enough, well, that one might actually be true, but uh, but but that has nothing to do with wheelchair. Um, but there there are a lot of assumptions that get made about me, and and um, one of the things I was very clear about is before I was 15, when I had my accident, I knew nothing about somebody being in a chair. And uh, and so there was there was that moment of saying, well, can I now expect somebody else to know what it's like to be in a wheelchair? And what, uh, so, so that's, that's the first context that I would give to kind of where this conversation started, right? And why the conversation started. So I had said, uh, I had said, I take it upon me to teach people because I'd rather me have to tell you and tell you over and over and over again, than you assume. And I will tell you what gets very tiring for me is, um, there are a lot of times when I have to anticipate what you're thinking because I don't, you're not going to ask it outright. Can I travel? Can I work long hours? But I've been in a chair now for 25, 25. I've, I've been in a chair more than I haven't been in a chair. And so I can kind of guess pretty much like, what are you thinking? You know, Not what are you thinking, but if you're looking at my hands, you know, why, why do my hands not work the way they do? If you're looking at my legs, you know, or looking at my chair, um, I can make certain, certain educated guesses. But the problem with that is that if I start talking about certain things and I start alluding to it and they're not thinking about that, they're really looking at me going, why, why, why is he bringing that? That's just an awkward thing to bring up. Um, so that, that's a, so me, me 
teaching is is one thing. I will say, uh, while I understand what you're saying about there's a lot of information online, I will tell you that there's also a lot of disinformation online. And what my biggest fear is, so I'm a C6 quadriplegic. There are also T4 paraplegics, and then there's C1 quadriplegics, and there are L4 you know, that are paraplegics. And we're vastly different, right? I'm an incomplete, meaning I, you know, I have more finger function than somebody that's a C6 does. What does that mean? So our lives are all insanely different, right? And so if I'm going to expect you to learn online, um, that kind of, I'm leaving the door open to assumption. And so while I'm not going to... Um, say everyone has to teach my perspective is i'm just scared of the disinformation that exists out there that if you make somebody go uh, learn by themselves for right or for wrong as you're right the information is out there but oh damn i worry so much that they're reading the wrong stuff and now they are projecting onto me now the last thing i'll say and get off my soapbox then is um when I teach, I'm very clear that this is about me and not about anybody else, right? So when you treat me a certain way, um, I have the cripple jokes. Anybody can say them. I'm fine with them. I think they're funny, you know, and that's me. But if you, uh, I'll give you, I'll tell you where, where the line is. So, so the line is, uh, it's very funny when I was younger and I would get drunk and I'd fall out of my chair because it's really funny. And it was only a good night if I fell on the ground, oh. right? <laughs> no, so like, so it was actually, it was actually really funny and Andy's totally going to kill me, but like we were, we were younger and, and he saw a guy that tipped out and he was a little drunk and Andy started laughing. Andy was one of my best friends. He was there during the, like from birth, but he was there during me, you know, growing up in a chair and all that. And he started laughing, and the guy just looks up at him and was like, what the, f like, are you really laughing at a dude? And he goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You know, like, he was just, he was conditioned because he didn't see me any different, right? He didn't see the dude in the chair any different, and he was just like, oh, I realize that you're you're not Torsten, right? And so you don't have the sense of humor Torsten does. But uh, point is, like, he, he just saw the guy as just a dude, and then it was funny when it happened to me. And, and now is a moment for this guy to teach Andy and be like, yo, dude, it's not right the same for everybody. And Andy got schooled on that one. He was like, okay, I, I understand. Um, but again, sorry, this is my long diatribe of saying, you know, this is, uh, for me, I think it's, it's the easiest thing to, to teach for me, right? And, uh, and, and it's worked for me um, to where I'm at and, and to allow people to understand what it's like to be in a chair for me. Um, does that mean everybody has to? Look, I, th I think it would be good because it allows for no assumptions to be made. Um, but, but there are people that I can understand why it would be incredibly tiring or uh, for a litany of reasons why you wouldn't teach. But that's just a sort of perspective of one. You know, I think one of the things that you mentioned is um, that I took away is, is context is king, right? So for, totally. for me, when I think about whose responsibility is it to teach otherness, I would kind of want to know, like, what do you want to be taught, right? So when Kai was saying, well, if 
if there's something that's happening or if someone's planning an initiative that involves, that addresses black men or black people, of course I would want to be at the table, but if, so I would, I would be there to teach. But I think where a lot of people get frustrated as far as, you know, whose responsibility is it to teach is there, there are a lot of um, questions that, especially when it comes to people of color, that I think a lot of white people ask out of laziness, so to speak, where there are definitely differences between, um, between us, but a lot of the stuff that we do is, is the same. So like, do you wash your hair every day? Like that's not something that I don't think a lot of black people would want to teach a white person because it's it's almost like why like why do why do why do you want to know this um, and so I think it's 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 really about context and the majority of the time I don't want to teach like I just don't and I'm I'm also at the sp- and especially when it comes to um, being at agencies especially the ones who have diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, I usually kind of like check out because I feel like there's, they've already done all of this work without asking for my input. And so I've said it on the show before, it's kind of like, at this point, I want you to fail so that I can, when you do fail, fall, fail and fall flat on your face, then I can tell you exactly why you did, because you should have started at the beginning by asking me to teach you about this unique experience that you're solving for instead of jumping the gun. But do you, do, you, do you think it's uh, at that point knowing that there's going to be failure mm-hmm. on the other side or at least assumption that there's going to be mm-hmm. failure? Um, to me, none of it is is out of malice, right? No. And it, it's not out of malice, right? I, I would say it's, it's not out of malice, but the, the outcome is usually the same. I'm sorry, I'm moving the mic away from my mouth. It's not out of malice, but the outcome is usually the same. So, where, so yeah. knowing that, right, and knowing that, that where it stems from is from a good place, meaning like they want to change for right or for wrong, whether mm-hmm. they're, they're doing it the right way or not, is a different, different conversation, right? But if you know it's going to fail, wouldn't it be kind of rad to, to put your hand up and go, look, I've seen this done 15 times. You're going to fail and I'm going to step in right now and I need to raise my hand so that it doesn't because I know that you guys are doing this for good or at least trying to. Um, I want, I need to help you right now because if this becomes number 16, that's going to be horrible, right? And I don't want to have to tell you I told you so. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I think I think that's also going back to, you know, why a lot of people are tired is because we have raised those those um, those points before, and they've been met with this almost. I think I think part of the the big issue, especially when it comes to race, is that when you're talking about diversity and inclusion, it's a direct response to racism and or biases, and a lot of people don't want those those titles to be associated with them. Um, and and this is something that I've been thinking about over the last two years because I've been really trying to dig deeper into women's issues. And a lot of the times when we have those conversations, I have to face that pang that's in my gut where it's like, you know what, that was sexist. Like these things that I do are sexist, they're misogynistic. And I think when it comes to racism because of the weight and the history of that word, 
when, especially when I've tried to bring it up, I use that word because you need context to understand exactly how you get from there to, to here. And when you bring that word up, it immediately causes this, um, this almost backing away from the situation. So that's when I get to the, where, where I'm at the point now where I say, um, I'll just let you fail. It's because when I'm actually bringing it up and I'm talking about how to address it, because to fix the problem, you have to identify what the problem is and talk about it in detail. And so when I bring it up and you don't respond to it in a manner that I feel um, ladders up to what you're actually saying that you want to do, then I'm just kind of like, all right, cool. Well, I'll let you fail and we'll pick up the pieces. So do you do anything then that uh, um, still gets to what they're trying to do, but just by yourself or taking it on by yourself? Do you know what I'm asking? I mean, so that's, that's where I'm at now is because after being at X amount of agencies and just seeing the ball drop repeatedly, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, all right, cool. Now let me see what I can do by myself. Because when it's, it's, it's almost become one of those things where it's like, if you want it done right, you have to do it yourself. So how's that not then education? I mean, it, it is education, but I think it's, it's education on my terms. To, and look, by the way, I never ever yeah. said terms, right? Yeah. Because we all educate in different ways at different levels and with different ferocity at different times. Um, so I, I'm excited to hear that, right? That it's kind of like you've seen, you've used your knowledge, right? And use your experience and that, that I think is, uh, going to be incredibly valuable, right? Cause then it's teaching in, in, uh, in a way that hopefully will, will get stuff done and get it done the right way. Right. And so that, that's kind of cool to hear. I guess one of the, um, one of the issues I've always felt with the I, with the sentiment that I shouldn't have to teach people about what it's like to be me, just go read a book about it, is pretty much where we are in um, the conversation about gender and gender roles and, and, and sex, period. Not even just sexuality, but just how men and women interact um, based on sex in the workplace and, and outside of it, where traditionally we don't want to talk about sex unless you're salt and pepper and you create a smash hit and it gets released <laughs> and you make a whole bunch of money on it nobody ever really wants to discuss sex in terms of like what's acceptable what makes me as a woman feel comfortable what makes you as a man feel uncomfortable um is it appropriate to make comments to me at work um if i'm dressed a certain way or or if my fly is down etc and be, i feel that because there has not been because there has never been much education about what's appropriate and what makes people feel comfortable and uncomfortable, that, we la that we've landed in this space where all of a sudden now everybody's just so goddamn pissed off that not only, not only do most women have a story that resonates with Me Too, but most men have a story resonating with shit. I didn't know. Like how many times, you know, we, we've had this conversation multiple times where it's like, oh, well, I didn't know that that was sexist. I didn't know it was sexist to just mention that, you know, her butt looked bigger today. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying you did, but I'm just saying, As we not you, Simeon. Simeon would never say anything like that. But just in general, like, because when terms, I guess when boundaries aren't defined, 
what I'm trying to say is I feel that when boundaries aren't defined and when people aren't saying that these are the things that I'm generally comfortable with and that we as a society are comfortable with and women that I know are comfortable with, how can I expect a man who has been socialized, if you will, to believe it's okay to comment on a woman's body part or to, I don't know, try to kiss your coworkers at the holiday party. Shout out to every man that's ever done that at a, at a, at a oh, holiday party. <laughs> if no one's told you that that's not okay and you've actually received praise for doing these things, how can, like, how do I genuinely blame you for it? How can I, like, I, I feel conflicted with saying all of these men should have known better because I feel strongly that they don't know better because they weren't taught better. In fact, a lot of people are doing the things that they were actually taught to do. Can, so, I, can I add on actually a layer to sure. that? Sure. So, so geographics. So uh, in the South, it's okay to say honey. And I said this at, at 3% mm -hmm. as well. In the South, it's okay. And you say, hey, honey, how are you? And, and uh, I, I say hun all the time, but I say, hey, hun, hey, bud, you know, just kind of like a, what's up, dog, what's up, dude, what's up, bud, you know, like, the, it's mm -hmm. just the, it's the thing. And, and I had somebody say to me, I don't, I, I don't appreciate that. I feel very offended. And I kind of went, uh, ab about what? And, and the person said, you know, calling me hun. And I went, what, you mean, so, that that's honey that's a sweet bit like I, it's a real term of endearment right. right but again it's a it's a geographical thing where it, now it's been taught it is to your point about the rules like that's there's no gray area there honey is a sweet thing to say you know and now it's i'm being told it's not okay and so at what point does that become that weird moment of um where you are location right what you're saying how you were raised what you were told, what it, it becomes very complex. Right. So I like for me, while I get it, like, and we have so many friends. I have so many friends that are just like, if you want to learn something, you need to ask Google. You better ask Jeeves. And it's like, but similar to voting, if you're not going, I feel like if you're not going to be the one to take action to correct a wrong then how can you blame the person that continues to do you wrong if you've never said these things are not okay? So that's that's where I've always stood in this conversation. But I also recognize that some people are just uncomfortable. Like they're they get offended when when truths are realized, when somebody points out that your hair looks different than mine. So how do you take care of your hair? Because I gotta take care of my hair this way. Or um, if you ask I don't know, if you ask a man, I mean, are you taking paternity leave? Like, is that a real thing? Like, that could be offensive. But when in reality, what I think people are looking for is the conversation. Like, well, why are you doing that? How, how less about how are we different, but how are we the same? How is that similar to what I do, if that makes sense? Um, here's the thing. It's about context for me as well. It can be... Here's the difference. I actually do not like when women call me sweetie or anything like that. That might be a geographic thing because I've only encountered it when here. When women. When women say it. Okay, what about men? Men don't really say it because I already have like a general scowl on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Resting. <laughs> Something crazy. But when women say, I had a friend who said that, like, you know, thanks, sweetie, whatever. And it bothered me. And, and she's like, well, I say that to everybody. But I'm like, you can't. I don't like it. So that's a personal thing. There's also the general thing of 
when you get into a moment and you're talking about hair and people ask you like when how often do you wash your hair like why is that even a topic like right now how does that pertain to what we are doing here at work you know so for me it's context of like you just asking me questions out of your general curiosity or me sharing a perspective that's going to help us for the greater good that's when i kind of go between both sides where it's like i don't want to teach you everything and then there's the side of I want to share a perspective to, you know, help you expand your knowledge. So I, I kind of, I grapple with that. I think, I think one thing that kind of stands out to me, especially when we're, because each of us kind of hit on a different point of otherness. Um, when it comes to race and gender, I think a lot of those people who are at, who have been advocating for that um, are, are tired because these are conversations that have been happening for a really long time. There are history books, there are thousands of op-eds um, where they're just like, I, you can you can Google this. Like you can actually go to the library and pick, I'm, I'm I, no, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that, <laughs> you you can't, you, you can't, you can't Google it, but what I'm saying is that there's, there's an energy level that that just isn't there because because they're saying we've been talking about this since the 50s and the 60s especially when it comes to gender i'm just i'm just i'm just saying yeah no i i hear it and we know it and i think that's the point like that we led with but the reality to that Mm -hmm. is how many times case in point right um who was it the 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 chief diversity officer at apple that lady yes Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) if we were to say you want to know about diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. go Google it. And somebody Googles her comments about um, about diversity and inclusion can can be a whole bunch of white white men. Right. You would be pissed off, Simi. So, so let, if so somebody let, brought to the table, well, actually, what I read mm-hmm. was you would be so you like anyone would be everybody. So, so let me let me say it. So, like, let's, let's take Google. Doing the research yeah. without actually getting it like that's the better word. Actual, it's research without actually getting insight from you as a human, you as somebody that has that experience. To me, that's more harmful than it is helpful. All it does is make me feel less uncomfortable because now I don't have to be responsible for being the one to give you this information. So I think I think for me, it's it's when you say do research. To me, that's very different from googling and getting one perspective, right? So doing research because to your point about asking about here, it's it's those question it's those really random questions that get people pissed off but when you're doing research because and i'm just going to take this from my point of view right so we're talking about women's women's um rights i just don't go and read one article and say that's law i read a bunch of stuff that's that's how i do the research and i think if i were to go around asking you random questions about women that are ignorant that you feel like i should know i'll take you i'll take you to this point there was point where you and I were talking on I am and I asked you something and you did not respond and I said yo what's up and you said would you be asking me that if I was a man sounds wrong right and I was like okay and I and I didn't ask you and I didn't ask you another question after that because I went to go research and these say she's but this is friends go ahead go ahead 
Because I didn't respond because I was in the middle of something. I didn't ghost you. I was in the middle of something. But she still said, would you be asking me that if I was a man? Because your question was, is this the, is this the wrong approach? This, is the, I, this was the conversation about correcting a coworker and wanting to be sensitive because she is a woman. Oh, okay. Those are the same kind. Those are the same kinds of questions that people ask for for all of these for all of these things. So there, there is there is some space. I think you should leave some space to say, well, you can do research, and every question isn't a question that you should expect that person who is marginalized or oppressed to answer. I have so, a, oh, sorry. Well, I I do have a question though than how you would answer the um, uh, the disinformation or misinformation out there because. Uh, the the washing of the hair is one thing I'm pretty sure I'm going to get pretty standard answers on that, right? Um, but things that get a little bit mar- more marginally complex, right, that are not washing hair, but uh, at that point is when it's a misinformation becomes yeah. weird because I just Googled while you guys were talking what it's like to be disabled, and I can tell you I don't agree with most of this shit. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's a great point. So like with the Aziz, I'll bring that up. Because what? Aziz, I'm sorry, because it's it's most yeah. recent. So I read a bunch of things that women were writing because I want I wanted I wanted to know. But then after I read, I hit you up and I asked you a question and I asked a whole bunch of other women questions because I'd read enough to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm still not clear and I don't want to engage in a conversation from a place of ignorance. So then I would ask you a question and we can have a discussion. You're, you're looking confused. <laughs> so Kai's looking confused because to me, that's, that's the best approach is I'm actually not relying 100% on this person to give me the answer because also you going and having a conversation with one person doesn't mean that person isn't going to give you misinformation. Like you were saying with the guy who um, got drunk and fell out of the chair, his reaction differed from your reaction. So someone asking you a question um, about your situation, you may give one answer. Someone else may give a completely different answer. Well, that's why I've always been very clear from the beginning of the conversation that I speak for myself. Right. Right. And that, that all the, all the different disabilities are all different. Right. And that, that not just because you're in a chair doesn't mean you get a blue ribbon. Yeah. Like my wife, as an example, 10 years together, it took about uh, four years to, for her to realize that the Paralympics were not the Special Olympics. Do you guys know the difference? No. Okay. Special Olympics for mentally retarded people, right? So uh, mentally disabled, Paralympics, people like me who are like hardcore athletes, Right. And and it's true Olympics. Right. So our Olympics go along with the, the legit Olympics. And it's different than you guys see in the ringer, you know, with uh, Johnny Knoxville. That's not what I compete in, but that's what everyone thinks I compete in. Right. So, again, it's also how what are you asking? Mm-hmm. Right. So. So and how are you searching? Something is also very scary, because if somebody is going to ask, um, what's it like to be in a chair and, and do sports? Right, they might come up with the Special Olympics, and now I get put into a mentally retarded c- uh, category. Which again, it is what it is, right? It's different, not no better or worse. It is different, but now they're reading stuff and going, "That's what he does." And this is my wife, who who 
didn't know, not because she didn't know it was like being in a chair, right? Because if anybody's going to know, it's going to be my wife, right? She's around me all the time. She knows better than anybody other than me. Um, and she still didn't know. I can't fault her for that. I really, I really can't fault her for that. And, and now, again, somebody who should know 99.9% .9 of everything in chair, and she didn't know. So my, my point is that, that there are these moments where uh, if we speak for ourselves, and that's why I choose to educate as much as I can, because I want to ensure that people are just getting the right information. And, and there's something you said earlier, you know, it's tiring. Um, I am certainly not advocating that it's not tiring because as I said, like it's, I even started by also saying it's tiring that I make assumptions, all that. I get it. And it's different, right? Race thing is different than, than disability in, in this regard. There's no question about that. Um, but there's still assumptions that are being made about me that have hurt me and how uh, people treat me. So as an example, my wife would be standing behind me and we go to a, 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 a restaurant and they will look at her and go, where does he want to sit? <laughs> Do they tell and I'll, I'll, I'll just smile and I go, well, I'm already sitting. So wherever you want to park me, we're good, you know? And, but, but see, you know, like it's at this point where I just kind of got to go, Ugh, yeah, like I, I'm not going to go Google it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, there's nothing that guy is going to do other than me going, and I'll literally say to him, you can ask me, like I, I can talk. There's nothing I can expect out of somebody who's ignorant to teach them other than for me to teach them. So how do you, because that's offensive, like even as a totally. woman, right? As, as, as a woman, you're there with your brother, your boyfriend, your husband, whoever, yeah. and questions get addressed to the man, like you ain't the one out here that suggested this daggone outing anyway. The hell are you asking him for? He don't know what we're doing. When you're, <laughs> when you're in a situation where somebody may have offended you by their question, how do you address that person? Whether it's a colleague or a person on the street, how do we address our, um, what we perceive to be offensive when people ask us about our physical abilities, race, gender, et cetera? Uh, do you want me to think? Um, <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's, it's all context, right? Like it's, it's also mood. Um, because one of the things that I've been doing lately is not holding back my emotions. Um, so some days I feel like having a discussion and we can have a long drawn out discussion about why I'm offended. Um, but then also it's like you kind of read situations and you read energy and you read people mm -hmm. and you you make a decision in that moment and sometimes that decision is fuck you and I'm walking away. Like we're not going to um, keep having a conversation. Like I just don't feel like it's it's worth it. And I do I do that for my mental for my self care because again the tiring because especially for me I've noticed that having discussions with people who really don't want answers, they just want to push this agenda that makes them feel innocent. I go home and I'm drained and I don't want to talk to my friends. I don't want to talk to my family. It's me, Hennessy, 
and TV and I <laughs> I don't want to be in that space. So I'll just walk away and and leave it there. But then there are these other moments where you just generally feel like, well, I generally feel like this person doesn't know, like, and they're curious or they want to have a discussion. I think you kind of know when someone wants to have a discussion, um, a like a real conversation, and you, I, I play into it and at that moment and we can have a discussion, but other times I'm just kind of like, I don't want to do this with you. I think you're, I, what, what you're talking about is bigger though than, than race and it's more and uh, an ability. It is, uh, um, it, I, politics comes to mind, right? Like if I'm trying to argue with somebody about Trump and I'm going, I have no idea how you are taking this side right now. You know, the other side, like I truly don't know how to argue with you. Right. It is. It's it's very similar to that, too. Right. Yeah, you just you kind of you read that moment and you. Uh, but I, I think the so Andre is the guy that was on my panel, said something interesting mm -hmm. at dinner. He said uh, it would be very unfortunate if we lived our lives always thinking that somebody is saying something uh, in a rude or negative manner. And what what the, the conversation there was and the, this is how it went down. It's like the things on the fringes where you know somebody's just being an ass or he's being racist or he's being ableist or whatever. I'm not talking about those things right now, right? Most of the things that, that um, most is the wrong word to put it, put it, but I'm going to assume, rightfully, right or wrong, that a lot of things that are said that we take in the wrong way, we bring our own context to things, right? We, we take our own experiences and we overlay that and then we hear how somebody said something and then we apply judgment, right? That's just how our brains work, you know, and everybody can say something and you, you hear it differently based on your experiences. Now, if that really were true, here's a problem that's going to happen. You say something and you're either more senior to me, junior to me, or the same level. And I'm going to say to you, I'm offended by that. I automatically pushed you back onto your heels. However, what, what we were talking about, which I think would be really interesting, is by saying when you hear something is going, what did you mean by that? Because now here's what, what I think you do. If you truly are innocent, right, and you, you meant it in like the hun way, right, like me saying honey or something like that, I go, I, I, I meant it like hi, like hello, <laughs> you know, how are you? And if I were, you know, really misogynistic, I'd be like, well, you're a woman. You know, like I'm trying to put you down. You, you, you can read that pretty quickly on whether or not. And so I, I feel like um, if we live our lives based on there's a pretty decent sized gray area where it's let's give somebody an opportunity to understand that they did something wrong. I think people will take that or ask, right? And go, well, what, what did that mean to you when I said it, right? Like that, I, I, uh, I meant it this way. Oh, why did you ask me that? You know, and it brings up con conversation. So I'm talking about the middle area, not the gray areas on the left or the right. Um, but again, it's you said the word context earlier. I think the majority of our conversation right now is context because you got to read. Yeah. Also, to your point, read the moment. Yeah, and I think it comes to reading the person it's coming from. 
And I think you're bringing up, uh, uh, I think, the right point, and it's something that we haven't talked about yet, and that's purpose of education, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think if you just heard the my statement of I think everybody should be an educator, right? That mm-hmm. that means that that I think that you should be answering whether or not as a black man you are you're washing your hair every day. That's not my definition of education, right? That's not I'm not kind of going well. I, Every every white man should should ask you that question. And you should you should answer that. That's not that's not where I'm coming from in the definition of education. It is the um, the the ability to uh, uh, to stop misinformation from happening. That to me is not information that is is uh, pertinent. Is just way too soft of a word even to use. Like that's just not to me. That's not. Uh, in my mind, what I'm saying is education. It is don't assume certain things that are going to stop me from doing my job. I can't travel because I'm in a chair. I can't work because I, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, don't make those assumptions. That that you got to ask. Right. Right. And so, do you understand what I mean? So, so like, I totally get what y'all are saying. From like a, I don't want to ask about or answer about hair questions anymore. Um, but. Uh, it's the bigger ones where like when, when I hear you say like, I just don't want to be involved anymore. I mean, that kind of does scare me a little bit if, if I'm going to be honest, because I'm like, if you know what the outcome is going to be and it's not going to be a good outcome, like I, I want you to stop that because if I, I'm worried that I'm that guy, right. right? Who my heart is in the good place, in the right place. And I will tell you as a senior leader in this business, right? As a head of strategy of, of an agency, I really do want to do good and I don't have the answers. Let's just put that really out there. And I need you to come and go stop right now. I get it. You've seen it fail 15 times and that sucks. And I get it. I, I, I have no answer to that. I truly don't, but I need you to correct me. Right? So as an individual, I'm going to say, I want to learn. Right. And I hope that more people want that too, because I do want to learn. So then I want to, um, I guess I want to pose the final, I guess the final question for the episode today. Um, so what we like to do is talk about solutions, talked about issues. We talked about different perspectives of the issues. Um, and what we also like to, to discuss is, okay, well, how do we make change? And one of the things with this conversation about, um, teaching people, educating people, um, or, or creating boundaries for the kinds of conversations that you want to take part in. What is the, for for you as an individual, because this is going to be different, different for everyone. Um, what is the right way to approach you about questions that may be uncomfortable, um, as it pertains to your gender, uh, your physical ability, sexuality, etc. How should somebody approach you if they have a question that is generally going to be uncomfortable for you? As an individual? As an individual. So speaking for Torsten. Just you. Okay. Uh, whatever you want to ask. So I will tell you, and, and this is now going to be the secret. There are only a couple of people that know this, but now so many people will know. But I will make... Uh, <laughs> I will actually, when I go into a room and friends have now seen this, uh, there are a couple cripple jokes that I will drop because what I've noticed is that 
um, people walk on eggshells when they're around me, right? And so they will, I said the 3% conference, they change their vernacular. So let's go take a walk, uh, I, I mean, a mosey. And, and so I, and you know, it's, and it still happens all the time. And I see people kind of go, let's take a walk, uh, you know, and I'm like, walk over there. Cool. We're doing that. Um, and so I try and preemptively make jokes because then what happens is, uh, people start to actually become open and ask me questions. And I have been asked if you cut your legs, do you bleed? What does that do with yeah. So, so, so what happens after you have an accident is they cut you open, they take out all your body parts and they put plasma inside of you. And no, we, yeah, of course we've look, you're looking at me, but again, see, that's the thing. I can't hold it against her because I can't, well, okay. That was a stupid one, but it's true. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was pretty stupid. That it was, was stupid it was, but, but you know what, you know what though? I got to give her credit because she asked. Right. And and that's the thing. I could have really been dismissive and been like, you are one dumb like you're just real. Like, I hope you die. Like, you know, your your lineage needs to be cut off, you know, but I, I did not. But I didn't say that because it was it was upon me to kind of go. I have no idea why you think that. But no, that's not the truth. And so but she asked me. So to answer your question. Personally, as Torsten Gross, what do I want? I want you to ask me whatever you want to ask me, and I will answer it. Because uh, I love to learn. Strategists love and planners love to just learn about people. It's our job for insights, right? So for me, I just love to ask everything at all times and kind of go, this is going to be weird, but, you know, and just ask the question. And so I kind of, it's this kind of boyish moment of going, well, I, I didn't want to know, you know, like, yeah. and, can, can we be friends <laughs> yeah. afterwards? And do you wash your hair? You know, like, like it just kind of go into it, not, not worry because I, I want you to ask as well. Mm -hmm. So ask away. I will answer. Maybe that's podcast number two. If you'll invite a strategist back again. We might. We might. <laughs> no, I was saying we might need to invite you back. Um, what about you, Karina? For me, quite personally, it's how I read your personality. It's, you know, it's, it's how it's, I, I can sense it from, I mean, I'm pretty good at it, but I can sense it if someone's coming from a place of learning, they want to know, like you said, like just the boyish curiosity from someone who's just like, like, yeah, I'm your first black friend. I don't know. Like, but how should I know that for you? Like, if I want to ask the question, whether or not you think I'm okay to ask the question of you, does that make sense? That is tricky. <laughs> I mean, I, for, I mean, to be quite honest, like, it's how I know you. It's how I see you interact, how I see you when you don't know something. If you're, how do you approach it? You know what I mean? That's only, I only can be, for me, I can only be as open as I see you and I and read you as your personality. You know, when we... We work with a lot of personalities in this in this industry, and we try to see like who vibes with who, who connects with who, all that, you know. So, it is another level of our work friendship that you can ask these questions, and for me to be open. But that's my personality. I'm more reserved than someone else. That's just who I am to be. And yeah, maybe I have to grade you to see if you're okay to ask those questions. But that's after I get to know you. You know, I don't completely shut down, but. That's how I see it. For me, um, 
I also feel like ask me anything, but also my requirement in return or the currency for, for asking question, uh, asking me a question is you have to be willing to actually have the conversation. And I feel like for me, that is, for me, that's how I grade the validity of the conversation because you can ask me something as a joke like oh i'm just fucking around i just want to i just want to ask some shit to be an asshole like because people will ask you things all the time just to be a dickhead and then with me because you guys know i can get long-winded especially if i've been drinking for me now we're gonna get into it oh you wanted to know oh am i Am I on my period because you, you, you seem to be a real bitch today? Oh, great. Well, now let's have the conversation. <laughs> Let me tell you why. No, that's inaccurate. This is why I'm being bitchy. This is what I don't appreciate about it. And you're like, oh, do we have to have a debate about everything? Don't ask a question if you don't want to learn. And I, th- I find, like at least with me, that is how people learn to approach me rather than, rather than me deciding if I'm going to let you approach me. It's going to be the same kind of conversation all the time. It's going to be in depth. You're going to know my feelings. You're going to know my thoughts and context. And if you don't ever want that to happen ever again, then you know not to ask me no bullshit. Like, don't bring no bullshit to the table unless you genuinely want to understand the con- the cultural context uh, of whatever your question is. Is it if it's, why don't you have children? Why aren't you married? Why do you work in advertising? Like you need to be willing to have the conversation or else you're just going to be in, t- in for it for yourself. And it's going to be either a waste of your time or the most boring 30 minutes to an hour that you've had. I do have to say that when we had our conversation at the 3% conference, I did appreciate the, I know you're joking around, you know, and, and saying long winded and whatnot, but, uh, it was the, well, you did have some drinks, I guess, at the end. But I did. Like, I but, definitely but it did. Was, but, it was a, but it was a good conversation because, uh, I don't know, I think we, we just both said honest stuff. And, and I think that's kind of a, I don't think you need to position it as like, oh, get ready for it. Kai's going to say certain things. It's like, but it was a good conversation. So it's kind of, it's that simple, right? And, and I feel from experience that it was a, good conversation to have with you i've also been on the other end where people were just like shit i didn't really mean for her to like get all riled up (laughs) and it's like well that's your fault you asked the question i'm gonna assume you asked the question because you want to know the answer so i'm gonna give you the answer ask at your own risk you know that was signed (laughs) (laughs) you know i think this is this is a for me, it's a tricky question, but as you guys are talking, um, one of the things that that came to mind was, why do you want to know? And I think if you're if you're telling me why you want to know, then my defenses will drop a little bit because you know it's foreplay, right? So it's you approaching me and saying, even if it's about my hair, you saying, well, I see that a lot of black women get mad when. People ask them if they wash their hair. Or touch it. Or touch it. Why is that? And I think and I think that's that's a great opening, even if I don't know you, because um, I think that's also part of the context is what is our relationship? So 
um, did we just meet? Are we on the train and we're strangers passing in the day? Um, but if you're telling me why you want to know, then my defenses are going to drop a little bit. And, we, and I know that you want to have a conversation. And I feel like normally when I ask you conversations or you about women issues or whatever, there's usually this happened. Something happened. And now I want to know how to do better. Because if, you're, if you want to do better, I can't fault you for that. And I think that's part of, I think when a lot of us get offended, we don't necessarily know if that person wants to do better or if they're just, um, you know, they want to ask a black person questions so they can go back and report to white people and have a joke, right? So, which is an inside joke that a lot of us have, which is, why do you, why do you want to know about this particular thing about me? What is the context to your question? Now, if you could tell me the context to your question and why you want to know, then I think we can have a real discussion and we can avoid the misinformation. Um, because I think that what, when you were talking, that um, helping people avoid that messed up, right? And I think that's something that I never really thought about before when I'm just kind of like, you know what, fuck you, I'm not going to have this conversation. But if the goal is to stop the spread of misinformation and you're giving me context to why you want to know, then I'll be happy to answer it. All right. Well... I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna end by saying we're definitely over time and I'm okay with that. I'm actually not gonna cut anything from the conversation, which means that you're totally welcome back. If <laughs> if, if you'll have wow. us back in your space, wow. we'd love to. You know have what? I'll think I'll this. think about it. Okay. I'll, us, I'll think about it. Let us know. Um, honestly, I think this conversation is important and and it's it's not even like the whole joint. Like no, this, this, like we barely got. <laughs> to like the tip of the iceberg i don't know any other cliches to use in this moment but the reality is these are like we're going to have to have more uncomfortable conversations and we're also going to have to educate each other and ourselves to not just have better insight but also know how to interact with each other better right yeah um so i'm happy that we've had this conversation i'm happy that it's this far um or this early in the year because what's going to happen is we're going to um refer back to this episode I'm, I'm sure this is usually how it happens we're gonna refer back to this episode um as we continue to record throughout the year so you're basically like um uh what is it called we're citing our sources you're a source that we will cite frequently um so i know i definitely appreciate having you on the show today torsten um Karina and Samin, y'all just be here, so that's cool too. Um, but yes, I'm gonna close. Thank you so much for joining. Thank, Thank you guys you for, for listening. Me. Think this is episode 42, something like that. Um, doesn't matter at this point. I think people stop counting over their 40s. That's what I've heard. Um, so yeah, we're in here. Um, I'm gonna do something new. Ooh. Because I don't, I can't do the tongue twister for the social handles. We're just gonna post the social handles on uh, this under on SoundCloud and on the website, so you guys know how to follow us um, and reach out to us. And with that being said, thank y'all and peace Bye. out. <laughs>